Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are welcome to visit us at 1800 Apostle Johnson Way in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And be sure to check us out at www.thefcca.org. If you can meet me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, please. Starting at verse 1. Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. Have a say, man. And it reads, When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in the front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, Some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in their spirit that that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, "Stand, stand up? Take your mat and walk. But so you, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before them, before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. The scripture, the portion I would really like us to focus on, if you will, is verses 3, 3 to 5. Reading that one more time. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. My topic for this morning is simply friends. Let's look to the Lord. Turn our God, our Father, we just thank you for this moment, God. We just thank you for this moment of time that you have given us to be in your presence, God. God, your spirit is already here in this place, God. So I just pray, God, that you sit Ricky down, God, and you get into this, God. God, you put me on the bench, God, and you get into the starting lineup, God. God, you cook the meal, God, and just let me take it from the kitchen to the table because you are the chef for this recipe. God, please believe with your servant right now, God, and I pray that you bless the hearts and the minds of the people that they may receive what it is that you're about to give to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends. I already hear it coming. 
I already hear it coming. And because I knew it was coming, I came ready for you, for all my 80s folks. Where my, where my music? Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. Ones we can depend on. Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. Before we go any further, let's be friends. All right. Isn't it really funny how we went from omnipotent, he's great to friends? At the drop of a dime. Alright, that's my 80s folks. For my 90 folks, I have something else for you. Okay, all right. So if you're not an 80s and 90s folk person, sorry for my 2000 up. I don't have any music for you. I refuse to listen to rappers who make their hair look like Skittles. I'm sorry. So for my old school folks, my really, really old school folks, I got one last one for you. I've been looking around and you were here all Y'all gonna work with me today? You ever notice that Patty got so happy in that song, thinking about her friend, she stopped singing words, she just started making noises? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Let me get back to the word. And if you don't listen to any of the secular music and you only listen to hymns, I would sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus, but... When looking at this particular passage that we have, Mark chapter 2, we don't just see a picture of Jesus and his power and healing ability, but at the heart of this miracle story, we see the story and the strength of a good and strong friendship. I say that the men who brought the paralyzed man were more than, more than likely his friends because it's in our nature that when our friends are in need, we're going to go above and beyond for them. For example, if you're going down the street, and you run into a homeless person, and they ask you for your change, ask you for some change. If you don't have any change, then what do we normally do? Sometimes, bro, I'm sorry, I ain't got it. Or if, if you happen to be going towards lunch, you might pick up something to eat and then come back. But often it's like, I don't have it, I'm sorry, keep on moving. However, if your friend came to you and said, bro, I need $50 to the next paycheck. Let me, let me knock the price down then a little bit, maybe 30. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> you'd be like, okay, let me cash app you. I got you. Because for our friends, we tend to do a little bit extra, right? When you're my friend, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to help you out. And that's our focus for this morning. If I was to ask you right now, who are your real friends? 
your real friends. Not the thousands of people on Facebook that you just hooked up with because it's just mutual that you know 50 other people, but your real friends that you actually talk, talk to. If I were to ask, who are your real friends? Would you be able to name them? Who will come to mind? What person would you consider your bestie or your dog, your girl or your boy, your bro or your sis, or for my old school folks, my pal? <laughs> or my ace boon coon? As my man likes to say, my main apple scrapple. <laughs> Do you have one of those best friends who you just talk to about, you talk to that person just about every day? Or do you have a best friend where y'all can go months without talking to each other, and then you pick up without missing a beat? Who's that friend that drives you crazy sometimes? But you can't imagine life without them. Is there someone that you can spend hours talking to about everything and nothing all at the same time. Talking about arguing about nothing or talking about nothing. Just this week, me and three other of my friends, we spent a two-hour long text message debate about the Lion King. Four grown married men, ashy-elbowed men, arguing about the Lion King. One person saying, Mufasa really wasn't a good example for Simba. He didn't teach him how to be a king. Another person saying, Mufasa died before Simba was even old enough to understand kinghood. Just going back and forth about nothing. But because we're friends, we can do that and not judge each other. About We wasted two hours arguing about the doggone Lion King. We know the difference between friends and family. Family is blood. As the old saying goes, you can't choose your family. You're just born into it. But you have the ability to choose your friends. With friends, you can make up your mind about who or who you do not want around you. The sad but painful, painfully true thing about friendships is that not all of them are going to last. A priest that I follow on, on uh, Twitter, his name is Father Broderick Greer, he had a very insightful post, and he said this. He said, the one miracle that no one talks about of Jesus is was, how was Jesus, 33 years old, is still able to maintain 12 friendships? It's a thought-provoking and poignant quote because for some of us, have you noticed that the older that we get, the more and more our circle of friends starts to go down? Your circle may even change. Who you used to kick with back in the day is not who you kick with now. Who you used to always call back in the day may not be who you call now. Some of the breaking can be as simple as other priorities such as coming to our lives, such as you got a new job now where you can't really spend the time that you used to. Or maybe you have kids. And the thing that I have learned is kids suck up your time. I love you, Tristan, wherever he is. <laughs> and we can't mean some of our old friendships because we have a new set of obligations. Some friendships, I, I, friendships tend to end one of three ways, in my opinion, or tend to dissipate, dissipate one of three ways. One is the solid door approach. And that is, you don't know exactly what transpired, but all of a sudden, 
you're kind of in a place where you're like, oh, I haven't talked to this person in a minute. But yet, neither one of you have really made an effort to communicate. Then there's what I'll call the creaking door. That is, you know there's probably a little bit of something. Maybe a little bit of tension. Maybe somebody says something crossways, or maybe somebody misunderstood something. Whatever it is, there was something in the water you can't quite put your finger on where that's caused you to start looking at this person a little bit different, where I cannot hang around you as much as I used to, or you know what, what you're on, I can't be on that right now. And then there's the slam door method. You know what happened. You know who said what, who did what. But now we're going to just go ahead and walk away. For some of us, one of our deepest hurts may be when we lost that person that we thought would be our friend until the end. There are some friendships that will last for life, but there are some friendships that are only there for a moment. And usually we don't always understand the purpose or the season until it's over. Sometimes when it's over, then we can say, okay, I understand why this friendship ended. I understand the season that you played in my life. But for this morning, there are a few questions I want us to wrestle with. There are, who are your real friends? Who are our real friends? How far are they willing to carry us? And how far are we willing to carry them? Let's break down the scripture a little bit, can we? At Mark 2. The story, as is happening, is happening in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. He had just started his ministry, but his preaching and his healing, the stories about all that he's doing is, is widespread. The word is getting around about what Jesus is able to do. In chapter 1, Jesus had burst onto the scene preaching and teaching. Within the first chapter, he has already amazed people by casting out a demon with just his words. He went to Simon Peter's house, healed his mother-in-law, and then other people in the neighborhood started bringing their sick and possessed to Jesus. After that, Jesus continues to go on a preaching tour, holding revivals and healing services in Galilee. But in chapter 2, where our, fo where our focus is, Jesus finally returns back home. Depending on which version of the Bible that you're reading, it can be interpreted either Jesus is at his own house or Jesus is at somebody's house. But no matter where he is, Jesus is there in the house teaching and preaching, and the house is packed. Every couch, cushion, and chair is taken up. It's standing room only, and people are just there listening to Jesus teach. Word must have gotten to this paralyzed man and his friends that Jesus was back. Word had traveled that Jesus could heal people, and that's when the paralyzed man's friends sprang into action. The four friends all grabbed the poles of the mat of their boy, and they carry him to Jesus. They must have gotten word late that Jesus was in town because by the time they get to the house, it's already packed. And I can imagine that when they finally got to the house, they could have been polite and tried to ask people to please, can you let me through? I got a man here that's paralyzed. Can you let me through? But obviously nobody was budging. You know how we do sometimes when people are late. Well, you should have been here on time. That's your own fault. You're blocking your own blessing. But the friends did something that shows their faith, affection, and determination. They would not let themselves be denied because people would not move out of their way. They said, hold tight. We're going to make our own way. Now, can you imagine the scene? I want you to try to imagine the scene. Jesus is in the house. He's sitting down. He's having Bible study. He's teaching. 
he's preaching. All of a sudden, you start hearing some rumbling on top of you. You start seeing some dust fall from the ceiling. You start hearing some creaking and some noise that you ain't heard before. Then all of a sudden, you see a body popping through. See, desperate times will call for desperate measures. Sometimes the scheduled program has to go out the window so that we can get to Jesus. These men, they didn't care that right now Jesus was teaching that he was just holding a regular Bible study. They said, we need to get to you right now because we need a miracle. There are times where you just got to break the protocol and say, God, you know what? Right now, I need you to do something. And I don't care what's happening right now. I need you to hear me. And I need to get in front of you right now by any means necessary. Have you ever been in that situation where you had to get in front of Jesus by any means necessary? There are times you got to give some desperate prayers. Now, I'm not one of those to say, you know what, you, you, you hear how some preachers will go out, well, some people will go out and say, if you want a crazy blessing, you got to give a crazy praise. As you can see, I'm kind of a quiet dude when I worship. But when I really, really need God, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to make some noise. Sometimes you got to throw up a holler when you really, really need something. If you're really desperate for him, you got to put it in. So these men, they're in the situation. They say, look, we got to get our boy in front of Jesus. We got to forget about what's happening. We got to forget about this packed house. He needs to get a healing right now. It's possible that the paralyzed man may have did something to cause his own paralysis. Because the first thing that Jesus said when he saw him was, son, your sins are forgiven. Normally when Jesus would heal, if, if a person that did something, Jesus may have said, forgave him of their sins, or Jesus may have spoke to the situation and then did the healing, or sometimes Jesus just goes ahead and just heals. In this case, he forgives the man of his sins first. You know how we, we thank God you know, for what could have been or what should have been, for keeping us from what could have been or what should have been? This was a case where it did happen. <laughs> it was. Where he's hurt and he needed Jesus in this moment. It was the man's friends who were his intercessors in this moment. And it wasn't just in praying. Because sometimes when we see a friend that's in need, we'll have a tendency to pray. We'll say, okay, I'm going to lift you up. But there's sometimes where you got to put some action to that prayer. You got to do some work. And this was a case where the men said, we got to do some work. We can't just pray and hope that Jesus comes by. We got to get him to Jesus. So who are our real friends? How far are our friends willing to carry us? But then let me ask this. How far are we willing to carry them? And add this in. What we do, whatever it would take to help our friend. There are times where we got to do a friendship inventory. First, we have to understand what a real friend is. A real friend is that person who will share life with you and not treat you like a total burden. A real friend is someone who, can let, who you can let your guard down around and you don't have to worry about your conversation leaking out on Twitter or Facebook. A real friend is someone who you can tell your deepest thoughts and wildest dreams to and they won't knock you down immediately. If you can't share your thoughts 
and your dreams and your goals to your friend, that ain't a friend. That's a hater. Or as my girl Shantae likes to say, that's a frenemy. A good friend is a person that's going to give you honest and wise counsel. A good friend won't let you go out set up. You ever got ready to go somewhere, you think you're looking cute, and then your friend sees you be like, that ain't it. That's a real friend. A real friend is a person who you can be your true self around. You don't have to give a representation of what you are. You can just be you. And they are willing to accept you as you. But at the same time, you're willing to accept them as them. If you want to see the, the best manifestation of grace, it's through a friend. You know what? What is grace? Grace is the, the unmerited favor. Okay? Grace is God knowing what you have done, but yet he still accepts you. That is representative, re- represented, represented, sorry, within true friendships. Because with a true friend, have you had that friend where y'all might have had that one time or that one night where it's like, you know, yo, we, we kind of wild out last night, yo. <laughs> where you kind of went a little bit too far. Or that one friend that pretty much knows your whole story, knows your whole deal, knows everything about you inside and out. Knows the good, the bad, the ugly. Knows for us preachers, knows us outside the road. But yet they accept us just as we are. That's grace. That's a real friend. So who are our real friends? Who's willing to carry us when we can't carry ourselves? We also need a diverse group of friends. It's one thing to have a best friend. But we should also have close friends. Some of you might can relate to this, but have you ever been really sick or no- and noticed that your best friend may not have been calling you as much? Or let me flip it. Have you had a best friend that was really sick and you didn't call them that much? Do you know that that's actually a natural occurrence? Because sometimes when our friends are going through, we can't be there the way we want to because what? Fear. We're afraid of losing them. It could be something like a friend who may be going through cancer, but because we've lost a parent or somebody else close to us from cancer, I can't get close to this friend right now because I know how much that pain hurt. Sometimes we, and we can tend to beat ourselves up about not being there for our friend who's going through when all along we're not recognizing, we're really just scared. And we're scared and fearful of what could potentially happen. We have faith all day long, but let's not fake. There are times we are just afraid. But that's why you need a diverse group of friends. Because you have some friends that are just gung-ho no matter what. They might be scared, but they're going to keep on pushing through. That's why our friendships need to stay stay diverse, because everyone does not cope the same exact way. And our scripture... This man could have been only, I'm sorry, in this scripture, this man could have only been brought to Jesus and lowered through the roof only if he had had more than one friend. Because sometimes we're too heavy for one friend to carry. One man could not have brought that man up through the roof and lowered him. He might could have army carried him up, but he would have dropped him. Sometimes... Can we be real? 
sometimes when we go through, what we're going through is really heavy. Sometimes it's really heavy for our own selves. And you ever had that friend that you just keep on pouring all and all and all to? Every day you're calling them and you're on the phone for hours and you're just pouring your whole life story. But sometimes, can we be real, it kind of weighs us down a little bit. If you notice that, you know, you call your bestie every day to pour out your heart, then all of a sudden, the next day, they ain't answering their phone, and they get back to you a couple hours later, that means you're getting too heavy. You need to be able to distribute that weight out. So when, when we look at what's happening in chapter 2, this man had a diverse group of friends, and they were able to kick this into action. They get there. And you ever notice, for those who have a group of friends, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever notice you got that one kind of crazy friend? Everybody got the one crazy friend? I'm going to give you all a, a Dr. K little secret, especially for all my preachers in the house. She says, every minister should have one friend that's not totally saved. <laughs> they know the Lord. They know the Lord, but have not quite surrendered all. When we sing, I give myself away, they say, ah, away. Because sometimes you need the strength of that crazy friend to get you through a situation. Most friendships, you have a diversity. You got the one friend that's kind of like the unspoken leader. That's normally the older, oldest person of the group. That's the person that goes to bed at 9 o'clock when everybody else is still texting at 12. You got the friend that's, you know, kind of the, the comedic, the, the comedy relief of the group. He's going to keep you laughing no matter what. I was looking at my friend that time. <laughs> and then you got the one friend that's, the, that's the, the, the calming influence. That's the one that he keeps everybody in check. You know, when, when y'all may have an argument that goes the wrong way or if you're in a situation that's about to get elevated, that's the friend that kind of regulate you. So in this case, can you think about it? I can imagine the, the spiritual friend be like, okay, guys, we got to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. Let's get him to Jesus. So when they get to Jesus, I can see the smooth friend coming out and saying, excuse me, can you all get out the way? We have a friend that needs to get in here. But I can see the crazy, not totally safe friend say, you know what? Forget this. We're going up on the roof. You get some rope, you get some axes. We're going through the roof. Forget all this line stuff. We're getting him to Jesus right now because we ain't going to wait. We cannot wait right now. I don't care if Jesus is teaching. Right now, something's about to get interrupted because we got to get in front of him. That's friendship. That's the beauty of friendships. And I find it interesting that the thing that was preventing the man from getting to Jesus was paralysis. Paralysis. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move. He couldn't move his legs in this case. And I find it interesting because paralysis is the same malady that's affecting people getting to Jesus now. There are folks who need Jesus, but they just aren't able to get to him. Can I give you some real life? I was having a conversation with, with a couple of friends of mine, and I asked them a couple of questions. I said, because they're, they're young males, I said, why do y'all come to church? And what keeps you coming back? And they gave me some answers about why they came to church, what keeps them coming back. It was a good conversation. And then finally I asked, well, how do we get other people like you to church? And the thing that caught my attention was how, how plainly my friend said this. He said, 
The fear that people like me have is that when I come to church, I'm going to be judged. So I won't come because I don't want you to judge me. He said, there's many people like me that want to be at church, but they're afraid to come. They're paralyzed with fear because no one is there to escort them. And he even went further. He said, all right, it's like this. You're a plain old church boy, right? Okay, fine. All right. Okay, you won't go to the hood unless somebody escorted you. Well, wait a minute. I went down there for, oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about when you nailed stuff up at Easter because you had a whole group with you. You're not going to go down to the hood by yourself because you don't have an escort. So when he said that, it made it plain. He said, this is the issue. People need an escort to get them from their house to church. If you had, if I had a friend to escort me and was not just telling me, hey, come and just I sit in the back by myself, but actually came and sat by me and showed me how church works and showed me why you sing the songs that you showed, that you sing and showed me why you shout the way you shout. If I had a friend that showed me this, I would come. And he said, this is the issue. This is what another friend said. He said, the issue is this. We're too busy putting up Instagram and Facebook posts saying come to church, but not enough people going out to church. Going out to the neighborhood, sorry. There's not enough people going out to the neighborhood to bring the people in. You're not going to fill the house with social media posts. You need to put some boots on the ground. And when I think of that, that's all the more reason and all the more confirmation for what Pastor K is trying to do with us doing relational building. Because we're not going to win souls to Christ just off of our Facebook messages. We're not going to win it just off of one-off convenient tweets. You got to go and bring people. And the thing is, if we all think about it, there are people we know should be here right now. But the issue is sometimes we get discouraged because we know they need to be here. And then they'll come and say, oh, I'll come next Sunday, whatever. And then we stop when we don't see them. You have to be persistent in getting people. I'm not saying be a jerk and kidnap them, but I'm saying we got to be persistent because a soul is worth too much to just put it towards a tweet or a text message and say, hey, hope to see you this Sunday. Sometimes you got to make arrangements and say, bruh, I'm going to pick you up at 10 o'clock. There are times we got to inconvenience ourselves to get people to Christ. That is the mark of a true friend. So with that said, I ask you, who are your real friends? Who are we being real friends to? And the thing that I felt that God gave me about this message, I felt like he gave it to me yesterday, was this. You know when we, when we really want something, how we, we pray to God, we can give God a detailed prayer about what we want. God, I want this type of job, you know, with these type of, type of benefits. Or how we pray to God about our mate. God, this is the type of mate I want. You said be specific, so I'm praying to you. I want somebody 6'2", you know, that kind of looks like Idris for the ladies or for the men. I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a married man now. Either way, you know how we pray specifically, or we should pray specifically about our mates. What I felt God was telling me, he said, you know what? You need to pray specifically about your friendships. You need to pray about who is connected to you. 
Because even though we can find friends or make friends off the whim, you need to be concerned about who is in your circle. You need to have people that can carry you when you can't carry yourselves. Because if we're real, we're all going to hit rough patches. We're all going to have times of trials and tribulations. Who's willing to have your back when that time comes? But at the same time, are we willing to do the same thing? Are we willing to be a friend to those who really need it? So with that said, if we really want an example of true friendship, we'll have to look no further than Christ himself. Because Christ didn't just bust through a roof for us. He bust through all eternity. He bust through all time and space. He broke into our reality to heal us. And not just that, but the feast that we're celebrating today, the communion, we commemorate, commemorate his body and his blood. Christ gave himself up. Not, just, not because he just wanted to or something to do, but because he saw us as friends in need and friends who needed a savior. When it comes to true friends and, and, and bringing friends to Christ, if we all think about it, can you recall a time where Christ was that one friend to you? Where it was nobody but you and Jesus, and Jesus got you through. I don't know your story. I'm not going to pretend to call your story out. But I believe that all of us have been at a point where it was just Jesus who pulled us out of this situation. How good did you feel when you realized that Christ was your friend? How good did you feel when you realized that Christ really did love you? That Christ was able to give grace. He didn't care about what happened before. He just wanted to save you right now. That goodness that we feel and that joy that we have when Christ came for us, that should be our motivation for bringing others to Christ. If we know how good Jesus is, I'm guessing we do know how good Jesus is. If we know how good Jesus is, why would we want to keep that to ourselves? And I have a final point that's also the challenge. If you look around, you can see that this house is not filled. This house isn't filled. That means there's room for friends. The challenge I have is who's willing to be a friend? Who's willing to be a friend that's going to bring someone else to Christ? Pastor Kay said it, but I'm going to go ahead and reiterate it. She says that she is the pastor. Her job is to send us out. But it's on us to go and to bring in the harvest. If you're not sure who you need to communicate to, that's what we need to go to prayer to God about. God, who is it that I need to get? And God, show me a way to bring this person to you. Because as you can see, there's plenty of room in this barn but it's on us to bring in the harvest. And the only way that will happen is not through just preaching. It's not through just text messaging. It's not through just pounding our Bibles. It's through friendships. 
because we need a friend that's going to lead us to our ultimate friend. They can receive that. Give the good Lord, give the Lord a praise. We never like to let this moment go by without offering an opportunity to come and meet the ultimate friend of friends, Jesus our Lord. If anyone would like to have that friendship established, that bond, that relationship put into motion, the altar is open. The altar is open and time is now. Jesus' desire is a close friendship with all of us. Or maybe you've been friends with Jesus, but we need to get this bond a little bit tighter. We need to come back and reconnect the way we used to be. Because a friendship with Jesus is not one of those friendships you want to just let fall by the wayside. So if that restoration is in the house, or maybe you want to partner up with this church. We're a friendly bunch. But we would like to extend to you the friendship of being a member of First Christian. The altar is open. Amen. Everybody's good? Everybody's a good friend? Now, here's another question. Are you going to bring a friend to the house? Put it out there. Huh? Put it out there one more time. Okay. Mom said put it out there one more time. Who's going to bring a friend to the house? <laughs> no, but for real though, it, it is serious business. It, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm joking, I'm, I'm partially laughing, but it is serious business. It is serious business. There, there, this is a hurting and dying world. And there is only one thing that's going to save. And that's Jesus. But we got to escort people to get in front of the place. We can't let social media do it. We have to escort people. There's people paralyzed with fear. Even paralyzed with church hurt. Because there is church hurry, the reason why people don't come back, some people. We have to escort them. And we have to show ourselves friendly. Amen? And let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we just thank you for this day, God. We just thank you for this word that you have given, God. I pray that we all do a deep inspection of ourselves, God. And see who is it around us. Who is able to hold us up? But at the same time, God, I pray that we also inspect ourselves to see, are we holding each other up? Because you want us to be a community, God. You want us to be a loving family, a loving friendship, God. Allow us to give forth, give forth the love that we want to receive back. 
In all things, God, let us represent you and the love that you have for us. God, with this, I pray that this word has not fallen on deaf ears, God, that you have laid the seed, God, and that the harvest and the increase will come through you, God. God, you have called this church to be a loving body of friends and partners. God, I pray that you just mobilize all of us so that we'll go forward as your disciples and spread the good news about you and be friends to those who are hurting. Be friends to those who need some guidance. Be friends to those who need a way. God, I pray this and other blessings, God, anything that I may have neglected to say, God, I pray that you fill in the gaps and that you speak where I could not speak, God, and that your spirit work where I cannot. God, I just pray that you move by your spirit in this body, God, and that you use us to be true friends to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.